0: You, 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 you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast, number one podcast in Oakland, number one podcast in Bay Area. This is your number one host, Jordan Owandi. and today we have a special guest. I wanted to talk to, well, a lot of people consider me OG because I have an old person uh, mentality, but we, I wanted to talk to uh, OG where I get advice and game from someone I really respect and talk about his life growing up in Chicago back in the 60s and 70s and how different it was back then and basically his views on the way people are growing up kids these days and everything else. So without further ado, Don Woods, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. So the reason you're on is because, well, I like to get I like to talk to the older generation and hear their stories of growing up and their childhood and how different it was from my childhood and from other people's childhood growing up. Like the the kids these days, we grew up with uh, Facebook and apps and Google Maps and everything else. And back in those days, back in your days, you didn't have all that, correct? We didn't have none of that. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up in, well, first of all, can you tell the people how old you are, where you're from, and okay. what your occupation is?
1: Okay, well, I'm 65 years old. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and I'm retired.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: You retired uh, as what? Uh, warehouse manager, warehouse worker. I did it all. <laughs> <laughs> and you're from Chicago? Yes. Born and raised.
0: Okay. I'm
1: a child of the 60s. Okay. You know, I grew up in all the street gangs and um you can ever think of that was in Chicago. It was a little different back then than what they are today.
0: What uh, can you give us uh, some gangs that were okay, in Chicago first, back in the '60s? Yeah,
1: first of all, I, I was I was I grew up in the projects, a place called Algell Gardens, which still stands today. It's the first the project that uh, Barack Obama started his political career in. So people from Allgel Gardens consider Barack Obama our president, but anyway.
0: Wait, wait, wait. So Barack Obama actually lived in those projects? No, he
1: didn't live there. He started registering voters. That was the start of his political oh. career. Okay. So they have a lot of memorabilia and everything about mm-hmm. the places he's been.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you look on um, some of the Facebook um, posts um, and pages, they got Barack in them. Mm-hmm. But anyway um yeah I, I grew up in the street gangs and um you know you had to fight your way through you had to be from a large family if you was from a small family you called hell mm-hmm. you know um I um I was in a street gang called the Indians I think I probably was in a street gang when I was five years old and it was more like a boys club but it grew from that on up to a lot of violence and stuff and um the gangs back then was called the Devil Disciples, the Blackstone Rangers, um, Vice Lloyds, um, uh, It was just so many. The Cobra Stones. It, it were there, were like, there Bloods and Crips? No, it wasn't no Bloods no. and Crips, but they wore the colors of the Bloods and Crips. Mm. The Blackstone Rangers wore red. The Devil Disciples, which later became the Gangster Disciples, wore blue. Mm. I was affiliated with the Gangster Disciples. Mm hmm. You know, so um, back then, though, we didn't have the automatic weapons and stuff you guys have today. um, That's the big difference, I think, in Chicago, the automatic weapons, the assault rifles and all that. We had an old rusty revolver or or something like that. Somebody's dad gun we just stole or something, you know. Uh And uh, basically, that's what we went to war with. That and antennas and chains and stuff like that. So was it... uh Easy to become a part of the gangs back then? Yeah, you 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 grew up in them. Um, take for instance, I got three brothers. And um, in order for you to feel safe with going to the store, going to the school, you had to go in groups. So therefore, when you came outside, all your friends, they were a part of the gang. So that's how you travel. Mm. So every given day... I traveled or was around probably 25 different personalities, Mm. you know, and um, (laughs) that was a way of life. You know, Uh, I grew up, like I said, in the projects, so all black project. I went to all black high school. Uh, It's on the outskirts of Chicago. And um, we were surrounded by racism. The white folks lived all around us. So whenever we ventured out of the um, neighborhood, they attacked us. But when they came to our neighborhood or walked past, we attacked them too.
0: So when you say they attacked you, they mm-hmm. used to, what, did, what did they used to do? Um, they'll kill you in Chicago. Yes, Chicago were these, was, were these white white people or like Irish? Like well, mob um,
1: there probably was a mixture of uh, of uh, Polish, probably Russian. Um, probably Irish. I, I couldn't really say exactly uh, what their race was, but I know they was white. Mm. You know, And Chicago's a very racist city, mm. big time. Mm. Martin Luther King almost got killed in Chicago. <laughs> he said there was more there, racism there than it was in the South.
0: Mm. Yeah. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, because uh, um, it seems like um, they hide it. You know, they hide it, and that makes it more dangerous because then you let your guard down and you think that they're nice and then they stab you in the back. Mm. In the South, it was straight up front. You knew they was crazy and hated you. So you knew where you stood and you knew how to avoid different things, mm. you know. But in Chicago or, or the big cities, you know, um, it was trickeration is what we used to call it.
0: Mm. Yeah. So you, uh, what high school did you go to? I went
1: to George Washington
0: Carver. And is that a famous?
1: Well, some famous people came out of it. Tim Hardaway came out of there. Mm -hmm. Cassie Russell, uh, them old guys. You probably don't know them. Terry Cummins. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Terry Cummins, the basketball player?
1: Yeah, and Tim Hardaway. They went to the new Carver, though, but it was still in the same neighborhood. Yeah, I went to the old Carver. Was that a violent school? Yes, it was. We had police officers in the school back then. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, the fights back then was fist fights. Mm You know, in the 60s, nobody had no guns, you know. Um, barely any families had more than one car, you know. So it was a whole different scene, you know. Um, you just learn how to fight. You have more courage. You you If you end up fighting a guy, you end up probably being his, his friend after that, you know. Mm. It, it's different today. Today they go get the gun and shoot up the whole block, you know.
0: Mm. Now, Chicago in the 60s was... Uh was this, uh, during the civil, like the civil rights?
1: Yes. Um, yeah, I, I participated in some of the marches and stuff like that. The riots of, um, 67, I think it was when, uh, King was killed. I can remember they had National Guard, uh, uh, in the parks, shoot to kill the orders would give because we was looting and stuff and tearing up stuff. We was just fed up with how we was being treated. So I was a 13 year old. I didn't really know what was going on. I was just out there with the crowd. Mm-hmm. But I can remember when the Black Panthers first came to Chicago. They ran them out. Thought they was another street gang. And um, uh, they came back later on, and and everybody understood that they were about a movement. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it was a difference. But um, early on, the Blackstone Rangers and Devil's Disciples ran Chicago.
0: So, the, so the, the the local Chicago gangs ran out the Black Panthers. Yes, yes,
1: they thought they were another street gang trying to move in. Oh. You know,
0: were yeah. you ever approached by anybody to join the Black Panthers when
1: I came here
0: to Oakland? Yes,
1: I came here right on the crest of the the Black Panthers' demise. I got here in seventy four, and. um Right where we at here in West Oakland, this was a big mecca for the Black Panthers back then because mm-hmm. they started right here, right here on 7th Street. They had the Operation Bread Basket and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember all that stuff, but uh, they were kind of, the FBI and everybody was kind of running them out by then. Mm-hmm. So I caught the end of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, why didn't you join?
1: Um, it, it just, well, I had reached a different age, you know, uh, by the time- They were looking to recruit me. I was hitting it into my 20s. I was a father, and, you know, Mm. it was a whole different scene. I was trying to find work and go to school, Mm. you know. But uh, I always have been um, really kind of, you know, with the the movement that they had, I always liked the Black Panthers. I always loved what they stood for, Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, the street gangs in Chicago was totally different. Even though they had some positive things in the street gangs in Chicago, also. But um, as a kid, all I can remember is you know you go to one neighborhood where you don't you don't belong, and um, <laughs> you better be ready <laughs> to, to get out because uh, in Chicago fights is just it was all over the place. Not at killings,
0: but you know. So it was more it was more like fistfighting back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I come from a violent, violent era. Um, I have a brother right now. He's in prison doing life without possibility of parole. He's a year younger than me. And I look back on things and that easily could have been me. Mm -hmm. You know, I escaped by joining the Navy at the age of 17. Okay. Yeah, that's how I got out of Chicago. And I never looked back. I go there every year to visit, but I don't think I could ever live in
0: Chicago again. All right. So let's let's uh, let's talk about you, your life in uh, Chicago as a high school student. Um, What uh, what was that like?
1: Well, um, basically, you know, high school ain't number girls, but (laughs) (laughs) but but, um, I didn't last in high school. I didn't get a high school diploma. Mm. Um, um, Basically, high school for me was the first couple of years I was a down student. Uh, I played baseball. My dad uh, was my coach. He had four sons. So that's what we played was baseball. So uh, that was the sport that I took into high school. But at some point, I wanted to do the hip slick and cool stuff. Mm. So um, I started following the wrong crowd and the street gangs and drinking wine and smoking marijuana, nothing like y'all smoke today. But, (laughs) you know, so that led from one thing to another. And I got expelled from school. Mm. So my were you, dad, you
0: were already a gang. Of, you were already in a gang. Yeah, I had squad. been in a gang since I was like five. The same gang? Yep.
1: Yeah, no. Well, they grew from the Blackhawks to the Indians, yeah. and um, you know it was just basically it, the Indians was probably a group of about thirty guys who we had affiliations with another gang that was more up in the city part of Chicago, and we used them for backup, and they was called the Viscount. Indian pimps or something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so, and there was probably 50 of them. So total, we was less than a hundred. So, um, we wasn't that big of a gang compared to the Blackstone Rangers and the Devil Disciples who ranged in the thousands. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So you, uh, did you work at all in high school?
1: Yes. Uh, I did the neighborhood youth thing. I worked at the police station, by the way, that was my first real job. Doing what? Um, I worked in the graphic arts department. Um, basically, all I did was uh, snuck up to court and watch the prostitutes <laughs> basically that 's all I did. I was about fifteen years old, and um, what do you mean watch the prostitutes Well, you know they had if you go up the back stairs of the building that I worked in that 's where you run into the court houses, you mm. know the courtrooms mm. and they would bring the prostitutes in for court dates, and we would sit there and watch them all day. Mm. And uh, <laughs> it was very interesting, put it that way, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, I worked at the police station. I never had any desires of being a cop, though. I used to um, – I, I just wanted to be a baseball player. That mm. was my whole thing. I want—I love Willie Mays, all of that. And uh, baseball, I was just taken over with it. But by the time I got kicked out of school, I knew I had to do something, so I joined the Navy at the age of
0: 17. Okay, and, wait, wait, wait. So mm-hmm. I mean, well, go ahead. Rest in peace to Hank Aaron. You know, Hank right? Aaron died. Okay. Yep. So, um, so you got what year did you get kicked out of high school? Was it sophomore year? Sophomore?
1: Um, it probably was my junior year. Yeah, because I think I f- finished two grades. Right.
0: And you got yeah. kicked out because you I hit high a high. teacher. You hit a teacher. Yes. yes. Showing yeah. Showing off. Yeah. You know. I. You,
1: see. You know. You had to have a reputation. You know, mm. if you ran the streets, mm. you know, and, and the word got around real fast, Donald hit the teacher in the chest. You know, it was a substitute <laughs> teacher. <laughs> you know, they gave you a rep, instant rep, you know.
0: What did you hit the teacher for?
1: Uh, he tried to put me out of the classroom, which wasn't even my classroom.
0: <laughs> did you like hit him and knock him out? Or what? No, I just
1: hit him in the chest. Basically, I pushed him. Shit, I wasn't big enough for nothing. You know, he's mm. a big guy. But anyway, they kicked me out of school for that.
0: Okay, so when you got kicked out of school, what did your parents say?
1: My my dad didn't know. I hid it from him for a while until Mm -hmm. he found out. And then he said, "Uh, you got to do something. What you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go into the military because all the guys that were a year older than me who was turning 18 and was doing the Vietnam War. So they were being drafted. I did not want to go into the army or Marines and fight. So I knew if I waited till I was eighteen, they was gonna draft me. So I decided to join the Navy or the Air Force before they can get me. And they don't fight.
0: So, so when you went into the military, this was during the Vietnam War. Yes, okay. yes. So during this time, Vietnam War that time, I mean, this was a lot of uh, hippies and protests yes. and uh, all that shit. Uh, were you involved in that? When I hit here.
1: Mm. I got a little taste of it in Chicago. The Were there hippies. hippies in Chicago? Yes, yes, yeah. there was hippies in Chicago. I got a little taste of it on one of my jobs. I was uh, working for a company called World Battery Corporation in Bensonville, Illinois, which is right outside of Chicago. Mm. And um, I was waiting for the Navy to call me and stuff, so I was working there with my aunt. And there was a couple of hippies that worked there, and they introduced me. I always knew how to smoke weed, but they started telling me about all this psychedelic stuff and, you know. So, um, and and I seen that they were, the girls that would come pick them up always was kind of like wearing provocative clothing, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you know, because back then they didn't wear no bras, you know, (laughs) that was a new thing.
0: I mean, they don't wear bras now. Right,
1: right, right. But back then that was new. Uh And and so um, me coming from an all black neighborhood, I had never really been around white folks. I had a couple of white teachers, but I never had any friends that was white or um, even talked to a white girl or anything. You know, I grew up in an all-black neighborhood,
0: Mm. you know, so. Did you guys hear uh, about the hippies in San Francisco and Chicago? I got
1: introduced to them because when I was in the Navy, I got in some trouble in the Navy, (laughs) and I ended up at the brig at Treasure Island. Mm. And when I got discharged from the Navy, San Francisco was my scene. And that's wait, when wait, I... Wait, wait, wait. Let's yeah, so
0: uh, yeah. so you get kicked out of high school. Uh-huh. At junior year, your parents find out. They ask you what, you what you're going to do, and you say you're going to join the military. Now, how... From when you got kicked out to when, how long did it take for you to actually join? I
1: stayed in the Navy a year, four months and 10 days. No,
0: but how long did it take so, for you to actually join the Navy? Oh, it, it was took it like me that
1: summer. Cause I, I got kicked out of school that summer, uh, junior semester. I think it was in September by December. I was in the Navy mm. cause it was during the Vietnam war. So. If you passed the test and everything and met all the criteria, they, 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 they had me in the military in four days, mm-hmm. you know. And I went with a buddy on the buddy-buddy plan, and we uh, went to boot camp and never saw each other after that. He went to Naples, Italy. I went to Fallon, Nevada.
0: So what was the – what was the uh, – what was the – the criteria to in in order to become to join the Navy. Well, back then. most cases you need
1: a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. But since it was in time of war, you didn't mm-hmm. need one. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's what helped me because I hadn't graduated. Right. So did you I, join the Navy because you felt like if you didn't do that, you would have been like shooting and killing?
1: Yes, exactly. I would have been involved in what the Chicago was about at that time, street mm-hmm. gangs. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that wasn't what I wanted. And my parents, my dad, my mom died when I was 13. My dad raised six kids, and he didn't raise us to do that kind of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you know. So um, I knew that I had to go in a different direction, and the military was my way out,
0: mm-hmm. big time. Where Was a lot of people joining the military? A lot of yes,
1: people of color? Uh, well, like, you got to remember now, it was the draft. They mm-hmm. was forcing you into the military. Mm-hmm. And most of the brothers from the hood was going straight to Vietnam, mm-hmm. so and this was the thing at the time.
0: So nobody was nobody was doing what Muhammad Ali said. So they. I fucking was going to run
1: that down right now. <laughs> Ali wasn't going, so we uh. all didn't want to go. But unlike Ali, we couldn't afford to go to jail and this and that. You know, mm-hmm. he had some clout. You know, yeah. so what we started to do instead of go fight. Mm-hmm. You know, because like Ali said, the Viet Cong ain't never did nothing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I listened to that. So instead of fighting, we joined the Navy and the Air Force. Plus, they offered technical education. You know, mm-hmm. you could learn something mm-hmm. instead of picking up a rifle.
0: But So in order to dodge the draft, yes. you go to the Navy. The Navy so or the, the Air Dra- Force. The draft was like the Marines and the Army. Yeah. Just That was just the draft? So they weren't drafting people to go into the no, Navy? No,
1: no, no. They didn't need people for the Navy and the Air Force. Yeah. You was going. I, and I don't even know if they needed them for the Marines. Yeah. I know the Army is who was looking for you. <laughs> you
0: <know? laughs> Did any of your siblings get drafted?
1: No. No. My brother is a year older than me, and he had high blood pressure. He failed the physical. Mm. You know, he, or else he would have been
0: gone, you know. So you go into the Navy during Vietnam. Was uh, Where was your boot camp?
1: My boot camp was in Great Lakes, Illinois. I decided to go to Great Lakes because if I didn't like it, I was going to run. Mm.
0: <laughs> you know?
1: so, but I, I, and Great I,
0: Lakes is like right by Chicago, right, right? Mm. yeah,
1: so um i i i start I was enjoying it, so I picked the West Coast for my duty station. They sent me to three years of shore duty to Fallon, Nevada. Mm. Now, no one told me if I, if I had to look back on it, I would have did it differently. No one told me that the Navy was the most racist part of the military. Mm. So I called hell from day one after I left boot camp. Mm. I had high enough scores to do um, uh, some kind of technical uh, job because you had to qualify by taking a test. Yeah, They gave put a broom in my hand, uh. and that was it. And anything else you tried to advance to, you wasn't getting it. They would let a couple of brothers get, go, but most of us, we was in— custodians, cooks, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I fought them tooth and nail. I was from Chicago. I wasn't no country boy. Mm -hmm. So I stayed in trouble constantly in Fallon, Nevada, Mm -hmm. which is nothing but white people. No blacks live in the town whatsoever. It was the most horrifying place I've ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. And here I am, 17 years old and faced with this racism. So I, I, I finally did enough wreckage that they sent me to the brig, Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. From Nevada? From Nevada.
0: Yep. And, um, so back then, the Bay Area it still had those Navy uh, yes, bases. Yes, it was a, a naval should.
1: base in Alameda. It was the Presidio in San Francisco. It was Treasure Island. It, um, uh, um, it was like a transit brig base and then they had the Oakland Army base so there was the bay area was full of military at that time mm. everywhere cuz the, the war, was still, war was still going on it was still going on okay
0: so you you get to the break. no no
1: i'm sorry it wasn't because when i got to boot camp mm. they stopped the war the war was done yes they stopped drafting and everything and i was like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they still had occupation over there in Nam mm-hmm. and stuff, but they just weren't sending people over or drafting anymore.
0: Okay. So you get, you get to the brig. That's how you ended up in California? That's how I ended up in California. How long were you in the brig? 70 days. And explain what the brig is to the people who don't know. The brig is jail. Okay. And yeah. It's a military jail.
1: It's a military jail. You exercise, you chip paint and paint ships, all that kind of crap. And, um, were you actually like
0: behind like bars and shit? Yeah. In cell?
1: Yeah. Well, this brick, it had bars, but it was like more of an open dorm. Like, but when you first got there, you were in a cell by yourself. They call that the annex mm-hmm. and you were in a cell by yourself, a brick, like enclosure, mm-hmm. which had chicken wire over the top where they can walk around and look down at you, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I think I did like 25 days in there then they moved me to the open dorm part. I did a court, got my court martial. They sentenced me to, I think it was 45 days hard labor or
0: something. And well, uh, what was your charges?
1: Oh, I had about seven or eight different charges. Most of them was for uh, uh, disobeying orders and stuff. You know, I would get in fights with them and stuff. You know, they try to tell me what to do and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I just wasn't going for it,
0: you know. Did you feel some type of uh, regret or animosity about the military because you were like, oh, I came in here f- to fight for the country and you guys would treat me just like a no on the street?
1: You no know, doubt. But to be honest with you, I didn't come in to fight for the country.
0: I mean, yeah, well, no one does, but yeah, just I, the yeah. fact that you're in period, you, you're giving yeah. something. I came of, of in to give away.
1: my life to servant, you know, and mm-hmm. whatever they wanted me to do, I, w- I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. But it turned out it wasn't what I thought it was going to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't know that they wouldn't let you advance and you know they gave you the men on labor jobs and stuff like that uh-huh. you know so so that turned me sour cuz mm-hmm. when I first went in I was thinking about doing 20 years I would have been 38 retiring mm-hmm. but once I got in there and seen what it was and then this is the other thing once the Vietnam War was over now they got a surplus of people that they don't need mm-hmm. cuz there's no more war Right. Mm-hmm. So they really kind of start chopping our heads, you know, trying so, to kick people up. Yep. So they told me if you want to get out, they sent me to the brig. They had me sign this form. They gave me a, a honorable discharge and I was out of the Navy in mm-hmm. a one year, four months and 10 days. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm on the streets of San Francisco with about $1,200 in my pocket Mm -hmm. and don't know anyone except for the guys I met in the
0: brig. So when you got out of the, when you got out of the brig, as soon as you got out of the brig, Mm -hmm. you, you, you left the military.
1: Yes. I mean, when, when they, no, when I got out of the brig, they kept me stationed on that, on treasure Island for about a month Mm -hmm. doing a janitorial, cleaning the barracks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then they called me in one day and they discharged me. What was Treasure Island like back then? Oh, it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. Mm. Because basically Treasure Island was a transient uh, uh, a base where you just saw people coming in from everywhere. So it was like wide open. So we partied hard, you mm. know? So yeah. it
0: was way more like buildings and shit than it is now? Oh, they had
1: barracks. They had all the barracks over there. All the houses you see there now, none of that stuff was there. It was barracks. A lot barracks. of civilians
0: used to go there? Uh, and, To the nightclub. And party? Yep,
1: to the nightclub. Okay. We went to San Francisco, Treasure Island, and Alameda. Mm. Alameda had the best nightclub. Mm. Yeah. So, you know.
0: So, you, you got out, and then <clears throat> once you got discharged, were you in, living in San Francisco?
1: No. Um, um, I stomped around a little bit over there, but one of the guys that was in the brig with me, He got out before me. He lived in Alameda, and he had a two-bedroom apartment. So he got word that I was out, and um, I got in touch with him, and I moved in with him, Mm -hmm. and we shared the rent. He was still in the military. He went overseas. I had the apartment, Mm -hmm. and um, all hell broke loose.
0: (laughs) Was it a culture shock going from the inner city of Chicago where you're surrounded by blacks who understand you? Then to, and then going from that to San Francisco where there's like hippies and like it was totally all the white different people for me. and shit on the
1: street. It was absolutely different. I was taken back. First of all, the weather itself. You know, I remember flying over Nevada into California. I'm over snow mountains and I break through the clouds. I see nothing but green. I knew I wasn't going back. <laughs> you know, mm. So once I got here, you know, this was totally I mean, it was like a kid in a candy store. I don't have to worry about the next block being full of street gangs, going to whoop my ass, you know.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. White girls, all kind of women was everywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. It was like open game. And me being from Chicago, Mm -hmm. I'm different. So, (laughs) shit, man, I had it going on. Yeah, It was great for me. I had no regrets. That's why I never went back home. I mean, I go back to visit, but I never went back to live.
0: What, uh... Where did you start working? Uh...
1: Okay, when I first got out, um, um, I, I did. The, I was selling weed and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was a dope dealer. Mm-hmm. I sold weed and reds and uh, what they called them Christmas trees back then in Alameda to the military guys.
0: What's what is what is Christmas trees? Christmas
1: trees are barbiturates. Uh, that was the drug of the day back then. And they also had these little white tablets called uh, Benny's, which was speed.
0: What years was this?
1: We talk in 1975. Okay. Yeah. So I started out doing that stuff and then they kicked me out of Alameda and I moved to Oakland. What and do you mean they
0: kicked you out of Alameda?
1: Well, they knew we was doing some illegal stuff. We had we They was kicked run- you off
0: the base in Alameda? No, they kicked me out of the city. <laughs> How does someone get kicked out of a whole city? Well, they
1: told us. You see that bridge? I mean, that tunnel? Uh Go through it and don't never come back. Who told you this? (laughs) The police. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that we, had li- we lived in a, uh, a, a complex that was basically military personnel, mm-hmm. and we was the bad guys. We was selling all the stuff. We had prostitutes. We was doing all everything. So mm-hmm. so they took pictures of us, and they had all kind of evidence. They never could really catch us with the drugs, but they told us that if we didn't leave Alameda,
0: we was going to have some problems. How did you, once you got out the military, how did you end up... Uh- Selling drugs, like who did you did you know someone who was already selling drugs? I knew, yeah,
1: I got connected. You know, back then, you have to realize that uh, Superfly, Mm -hmm. the movie, that's what was kind of like in young black's head to get over. Because we couldn't make money if you didn't have the education, Mm -hmm. you couldn't make money. You know, trying to work a regular job. When I got out of the military, the good job was the post office, mm-hmm. which is probably still today. <laughs> <you know?
0: laughs> I mean, but, today the post office, they don't make shit.
1: Well, well, they didn't make that much now. No, yeah, they make decent money. They make mm-hmm. about 20 bucks an hour.
0: Yeah, but that ain't shit now.
1: No, that, but you got to understand, for a guy who probably just starting out, $20 an hour is decent.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's decent, you mm-hmm. know. You know, so, I mean, you love to make more than that. But, you know, I can remember when I was making $10 at the post office, I thought it was big shit. Mm -hmm. And that was probably 1979,
2: Mm.
1: you know. But anyway, um, so I started selling weed and all that and stuff. And um, we got kicked out of Alameda. I moved to Oakland. Um, Some of the older brothers that I was involved with, they were going to the East Bay Skills Center. And they were going to Laney Junior College. I had the GI Bill. I started going.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm real good with numbers back then, so I started going as an accountant major.
0: Do you remember the, 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 the guy who put you onto the uh, drug selling?
1: Yes. He's what? dead
0: now. He's dead. What was his name? Yeah, his name was James. James <laughs> Knox. James Knox was the, was the kingpin that, put, that <laughs> you worked for? Well, I didn't work for
1: him. He right. just he sold me a pound of weed. I worked for myself.
0: Oh, so you bought a pound of weed? <laughs> yes. Because
1: remember, now I got out of the military. I had twelve hundred dollars.
0: So you know, you want to flip, flip, flip. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you How much know? did a pound of weed go for back I then? I bought it. He
1: probably beat me. I got it for two ten. I was making like five hundred off of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. So when you and then you got kicked out of uh, Alameda. Did you ever? um did you ever, did you know about Oakland before you moved there?
1: Uh, yeah, because I had a few girlfriends in Oakland. My wife is with me today. She's from Oakland, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, basically, it was a challenge to me because we've got to remember, I'm from Chicago from the projects. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm bad, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Oakland didn't scare me. I stepped around East Oakland, West Oakland, whatever. They did not shit to me, you know? But um, so, you know, I just mm, kind of just fell right into place. You know, but at the same time, I got a, I got my wife pregnant mm-hmm. and I was going to Laney. I was trying to better my life, you know, um, by uh, taking up accounting. I was going to be a CPA. That test was so hard to pass. I dropped out of school on that. She was pregnant. I went to work and I got a job at the post office.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was it was it easy to get a job at the post office back then for
1: me? Because, I mean, if you can pass the test and you get that military uh, uh, point preference, they gave you 10 points extra if you're in combat, five if you wasn't, that'll boost you over the average score. You can get hired,
0: you, mm-hmm. know? you know? So you, uh, you were in Oakland in the 70s, right? So, right. So um, 70s, that was when a lot of black exploit films were out. Yeah, they were out, out. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, was that the disco era? It's also
1: the disco era. One of the greatest eras of all <laughs> <laughs>
0: And also it was a big era of uh, drugs. That's when yes. drugs came on the
1: scene. Well, Well, the drugs have always been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 50s it probably was heroin. Through the 60s it probably was heroin. Then the psychedelics came in. Mm. You know, the psychedelics, acid, mushrooms, um, uh, um, barbiturates was always
0: there, and,
1: and marijuana. Mm. That was the big stuff. You know, and of course you had, you had alcohol.
0: So what yeah. was it like uh, in the 70s during that era for you? Were you like in the disco scene at the clubs with the Afros? Oh, man, or-
1: my name was Disco Don. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I never went home alone. Uh, but <laughs> but you, were, you were in San Francisco? San Francisco, Oakland, wherever the party was at, I was there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, was, it was a fantastic era. Mm. I mean, everybody, even, you know, all this was what made it so beautiful. All the races blended together. It wasn't you white, you black. It was past the joint, Mm. you know. It was about love, having sex, Mm. dressing. It was just a totally, the 70s was a knockout, man, Mm. you know. And um, I think that was one of the first decades that all the races kind of came together. Mm. Music was great, Mm. you know. Weed was good. It wasn't expensive, you know, Mm. (laughs) you know. So it was a melting pot. So I enjoyed the 70s.
0: Was uh, partying in San Francisco different than partying in Oakland back then?
1: Yes. Now, you know, you always had the gay thing over there. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't as prevalent back then as it is now. But you could go to nightclubs in San Francisco where it got a little out of control. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it was a little more wilder. So everybody wanted to party over there. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, in Oakland, it, it, you could party hardy, you know, but it just wasn't San Francisco,
0: you know. Did Oakland have disco clubs?
1: Oh, hell yeah. Right down to Jack London Square. Yeah. That's probably where I started going to disco.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's a What's a disco club in San Francisco you used to go to back then?
1: Uh, Dance Your Ass Off. That was the name yeah, of it? Yeah, that was the name of it. And then they had the Rickshaw. Um. Man, let me see if I can remember them names. Yeah. Uh, I, I just remember dancing your ass off. You couldn't, you couldn't pass that one. <laughs> what was it about that place? It, it just, it just everything was everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you might see somebody standing over in the cause it was in a big ass building. Mm-hmm. You might see somebody standing over in the, in the corner getting their blowjob. You mm-hmm. know, you just never know.
0: You know, Where in San Francisco, was it?
1: Oh, where was it at? I think it was off Market. I well, think like, it was off like market. downtown. Not quite downtown. Mm-hmm. The rickshaw, I think, was downtown. Yeah, but they had clubs all over.
0: You know. Mm-hmm. Cocaine and shit all up in the clubs?
1: Yeah, cocaine hadn't started. That could was still hidden in the bathroom, you know, <laughs> you know, or, or you do it before you come in, uh-huh. you know. But everybody had a coke spoon on their neck, you know, mm. you know. Yeah, it it didn't start blowing out of control till late seventies. Mm. Yeah, then it was just you know all over the place.
0: Did you see any celebrities uh, partying in San Francisco?
1: Yeah, I used to see celebrities in San Francisco and Oakland. Yeah, I can remember Lenny Williams,
0: the yeah. singer. Yes. Yes, in
1: Oakland, and we were doing coke
0: <laughs> in the club. In the club, damn, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I was about to say. Um, so you're partying, and you partying in 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 the seventies. In the Did mm-hmm. you? What about Woodstock?
1: Oh yeah, see the 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 the, the hippie people that I met in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Woodstock was 1969. Mm-hmm. They told me about Woodstock. I always wanted to go, mm. but I wasn't that far out there. See, if, if you notice that most of the entertainers at Woodstock was white, mm. and most of the people out there was white. Sly and the Family Stones played there, Santana, but they was just now coming into the scene. Mm. So blacks wasn't really a part of that crowd yet. You know, you had a few, you know. Mm. Now, uh, we was basically disco, mm. and the white folks came over to us, you know. Mm. Cause disco was so much fun. You got brothers walking down the street in three-inch platforms, bell bottoms, mm-hmm. six-inch afro, mm-hmm. looking like they straight up out of African warrior somewhere. <laughs> you know, white folks was mesmerized, especially the girls. Uh-huh. You know, it was like, ooh, we got the, we got, you know, brothers is in tune with the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, we set the pace, even today. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: That's so how you used to dress. Yeah.
1: Man, I had a big ass afro and shit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Bell bottoms and and the platform shoes. I had all that. The wine pouch, you know? Mm. Because at one time, everybody had wine pouches smoking weed. I hung out at uh, People's Park in Berkeley. I did it all, Mm. man. I'm telling you.
0: What about Dolores Park? Did you ever see uh, Santana there?
1: No, I never saw him there. I still want to see Santana today. I've never seen him live. Mm -hmm. But um, I knew about all the concerts over there and stuff. But I lived on this side. Mm -hmm. So basically, you know, if I got to San Francisco after I was established over here, I probably went to a party or two or something, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I didn't work over there and I didn't live over there. I I lived on this side. I've lived Berkeley, Alameda, Oakland, uh, Richmond. I've lived in all those places. Now I live in Hayward.
0: So you know uh like today Oakland you mm-hmm. have uh West Oakland, East Oakland, North Oakland, shit, downtown. So mm-hmm. everyone thinks East Oakland is the worst part of Oakland. And uh West Oakland is probably like the second but it's being gentrified and then you have uh these little pocket areas like Piedmont, these little rich areas mm-hmm. that they don't they don't even consider Oakland Oakland. So how was it back in the in Your day in the 70s, was East Oakland as bad as it was? Well, to
1: me, my take on it, East Oakland always heavily populated by blacks, but to me, West Oakland was the baddest. Mm. I mean, you had the projects, well, you had the village in in East Oakland too, but to me, West Oakland was a little more close to to Chicago, you know, Mm. but nowadays- It is gentrified, so it's 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 nothing like it used to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm shocked seeing white people walking around with their dog. Mm -hmm. Back then, you never see that. You know, Mm -hmm. it was projects all around here. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, yeah, it's a big change. It's a big change, and Oakland get a um a bad rep. You you ask me, Oakland is not as bad as people say it is by far.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's more. If you look at statistics, there's more crime. That happens on a daily basis in San Francisco. Then yeah, is it's a bigger city, but uh, they don't advertise it because they need that tourist. They need the tourists to come to San Francisco. San Francisco is a tourist city, so if but, you advertise, mm-hmm. oh, motherfuckers getting robbed every day, right? People are not going to come to San Francisco. No,
1: but it's strange you say that because they got the Tenderloin over there. Oh yeah, and the t- Oakland doesn't have a Tenderloin, mm-hmm. but Oakland get the worst mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, part of the stick, mm-hmm. you know. And
0: the um, yeah, Tenderloin is disgusting.
1: Yes, it is. It is really disgusting. I'm an ex Uber driver, and believe me, I have over fifteen thousand trips in mm-hmm. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I have seen it all over there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's horrible. Mm-hmm. I've some of the people is just you know, a city that make that kind of money. There's no way they should have that kind of property, and, and right in the heart of their city.
0: You know? Yeah, because if you're in a Tenderloin, if you're like walking around a Tenderloin, you can walk. A block three blocks up and, it, and and then it'll be all clean, f- yeah, fancy million dollar yeah, houses. Right. Then you turn around the block and then there's there's uh, the syringes on the ground mm-hmm. and everything else. So San Francisco's crazy like that.
1: Yep, it is. You can walk right outside of one of them high class hotels mm-hmm. and there's a guy laying right on the ground. Yep. You gotta step over them to get out the <laughs> door. You know? <laughs> you know. But that's San Francisco though. It's always been wild and woolly since I've been here, you mm-hmm. know. You know, but um you know I, I, I got in a lot of trouble. Later on in life, running around here, doing partying, because the party from the 70s, 70s went into the 80s. Once you get into the 80s, you get into crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And that was a downfall of, for me. You know, I'm
0: what, to- what was the first time you were introduced to crack cocaine or heard, uh, or heard about it?
1: Oh, the first time I, I used to work at the post office. We used to have a crap game. You know what craps is, shooting dice. Mm-hmm. We used to have a crap game every payday, every two weeks. So, I was at the normal spot where we were shooting dice at, and I noticed nobody was in the room to shoot dice. I'm mm-hmm. like, where's everybody at? Mm. They said they're in the room, man. They got the mirror, you know? I'm like, what? <laughs> so, I go in there and they all hovering over this little white substance, and they look crazy as hell. I'm like, what the hell is that? So, I backed up from it. I didn't mess with it. I probably was around it maybe two years or so. Mm. And then one night, I won a lot of money in a crap game. And me and my buddy, we left out of the crap game. He said, I'm going to get an eight ball. I didn't even know what it was.
0: So these are all post office workers? Postal workers. Just getting high yes, at
1: yeah. post office? We used to get high inside the post office. Damn. You know, so um, I went with him and he bought an eight ball and uh, they put the pipe in my mouth, a girl. <laughs> 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 and um, I was hooked from the first hit.
0: Wow! It was it was that. It was, is it's that, like that
1: mind blowing. It's that mind blowing for me. Now I don't know if it happens for everybody, but you can tell mm. by the stats on crackheads. It is very powerful. What year was this? This had to be like nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Yep, it was the first time you tried crack. Yep, nineteen eighty. I would
0: say. Yeah. And this was in Oakland.
1: Yes, it was in Oakland.
0: Yeah, not too far from here. <laughs> and, and you were still working at the post office?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I was. I ended up getting fired from the post office mm-hmm. behind my crack addiction. How long were you working at the post office? I worked
0: there two and a half years. So you, got actually, you were actually addicted to crack?
1: Yes. Yes, I had to go to treatment and everything. I'm 25 years clean and sober. Mm-hmm. You know, and also, I was an alcoholic at the age of 14. Mm-hmm. You know, with them street gangs and stuff, you just don't come out your house Saying I'm finna go bust dude upside the head and, and 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 you that brave and strong are gonna do it. You drink a little drink first. <laughs> you know, get that <laughs> false courage. Now we finna to tab
0: some shit. You uh-huh. know.
1: <laughs> you know.
0: So was crack uh was it was it easy to get back then? crack was on every corner. Mm-hmm. Every corner.
1: You know. It, it, uh, the white man introduces what I found out later. But um the CIA is what I heard. But uh um it was so prevalent. I mean, and the kids was getting filthy rich off of it. What they call nigga rich, mm-hmm. you know, because they weren't saving no money. They, they weren't buying no house. They end up probably losing all the money fighting cases, mm-hmm. you know. But, but now you got the 16-year-old black guy or kid on the street, and he's making ten grand a day. Mm almost on every block. It was wild and crazy. Something like you've never seen before. This
0: is what I, this is what I don't understand. This was like, you had these 16 year old kids who were selling Mm -hmm. crack, but they were selling crack in inner cities where a bunch of, where the average person is uh, middle class or poor. So who, how the fuck were they making so much money? Uh, these thousands of dollars selling shit to people who basically didn't have money to begin with. We're like rich people coming to the hood, buying this stuff. That or? happened later on. Mm-hmm. That happened
1: later on when the white people start coming to the neighborhood on the back crack. Mm-hmm. Then they started saying, uh, no, uh, it, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, but long as the blacks was buying it, they just let it happen. Mm-hmm. See that money just was a revolving in the in neighborhood. In the community. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't going nowhere. And you got to figure Say if you got a thousand uh, Ladies on welfare, and they get $300 a a month check. Mm -hmm. When you smoke crack cocaine, you're going to spend every dime. Mm -hmm. That's how addictive it was. Mm -hmm. It ain't like you're going to say, okay, I'm going to spend $20 and I'm going to keep the rest. No, you spent every dime. So, them kids, that money just was rolling in the neighborhood, you know. Now, they would go out and buy three or four cars or They had the best, you know, fits on and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they had big old wads in their pocket. But most of them ended up, if not dead, they ended up fighting cases on the drug beefs, you know. Mm -hmm. So and the big thing was they was selling this stuff and they were killing their own race. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean. Even though I was hooked on it and stuff, I seen the dangers and uh, I knew what, was it, what it was all about and stuff. And I was happy as hell when I got off of it.
0: Did you, when you got fired from the post office, mm-hmm. did you consider selling crack?
1: Oh, I tried to sell it just to keep, to keep smoking it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't trying to sell it for no profit.
0: You know, mm-hmm. I was a crackhead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm honest about it, man. I have uh, to look at it like that. Mm-hmm. You know, You know, that keeps me from going back. And it wasn't easy getting off of it. I went to 13 drug programs at the VA hospital. Mm-hmm. I was in detox. I, you know, I would come out with two years clean and think I can go drink a beer. Yeah. And next thing I know, I'm smoking crack again. Mm-hmm. So I had to cut everything and including the people I hung around with. Most of my friends nowadays, they don't drink or smoke or none of that. You
0: know? well, who who or do you remember or do you know like the famous dealer back then?
1: Oh, wow. None of them was famous in my book, but they might have had big names on the street. <laughs> you know, uh, the Bells uh, down here was the Hodges. Um, oh, uh, the brother um, that was from um, 66 Village, Felix Mitchell, mm. the one that had the horse driven carriage for his funeral. Mm. You know, a lot of people praised him because he gave bicycles to kids at Christmas. Their mama bought him with that. <laughs> you know, I never
0: thought that shit was good,
1: you know. But he, he was in a jet magazine,
0: you know. Did you ever meet him?
1: No, no. When did he die? Ooh, we, what was that? It had to be, I would say probably like 87.
0: 87?
1: Yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Somebody killed him, I think. I think the cops killed him. So I forgot I went down, but he was in jail.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what neighborhood was considered like? Oh, if I if I want to get some crack, this is the neighborhood to go to. Was it West Oakland? West Oakland was famous for the double up. What's that? Somebody
1: I forgot the name of the family had a connection where they sold two big rocks in a. Um, a piece of foil paper mm. and they call it Double Up and you got it for $20. Mm. People came from everywhere to get it and it was right here between Campbell and Wood mm. and they would wait in line. I remember coming down here and it's 100 people in the line waiting for them to come mm. and when they came, they just dish it out. Mm. You know, and it was, it was, but you could buy dope everywhere but it's just for some spots that was more prevalent. East Palo Alto was big, big mm. you know, believe me I, I smoked it everywhere and went everywhere and bought it you know i, I ain't gonna lie it was, it, and it wasn't all that bad i had good times fun and stuff
0: but when i look back on it the shit was horrible was there any did you ever put yourself in danger uh, in danger
1: man were- i did penitentiary moves every day <laughs>
0: <laughs> when i say danger I, I don't, i'm not talking about your danger and your health i'm talking right. about did you ever were you like uh, in a shootout, or were you ever like get? Did you ever get robbed, or did you ever rob someone? I'm
1: from Chicago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking. Yeah, uh,
1: I I was robbing people when I was eight years old.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So, I robbed people out here
0: to, 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 get, get, to crack get crack cocaine. Okay.
1: To get crack cocaine, mm-hmm. I broke into businesses. Mm-hmm. I helped close Sears. That's right there on Twenty Seven. Mm-hmm. You know. I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it seemed like I'm bragging, but I'm just telling you facts. Mm -hmm. You know, I was one of those type that I kind of ran by myself because I, I couldn't trust people. Mm -hmm. You know, I had trust issues, but, um, when I wanted the drug, I, I, I I wouldn't run up in no bank or nothing like that. That was too dangerous. Mm -hmm. You can get caught, you know, but (laughs) I stick a pistol or something in your face on the street and
0: take it, take your money. Yeah. Yeah. Were you just robbing niggas in, like, hoods, or were you going to the white neighborhoods?
1: Uh, I went to the white neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. I went to the white neighborhoods. I robbed black people, too. Mm-hmm. You know? I didn't have no preference. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> if you if I thought you had some money, I had to have it.
0: Uh, you know? So, so you... uh was crack the only uh, drug that you were addicted to? I mean, you were just saying. Well, you were I an was addicted right? to.
1: I was addicted. I was really a garbage can. Mm. Uh,
0: but my biggest
1: problems was with crack and alcohol. I probably was an alcoholic first, mm-hmm. and then crack just sent me to my knees. That mm. crack gave me the chance to get help. Mm. So I think without crack, cocaine, I probably drank alcohol till I died. What know? was the
0: What was a change in uh, point to where you were like, okay, I need to go to rehab? And
1: my wife and put alcohol. my ass out.
0: Mm. Yeah. So when did, you, when did you meet your wife since we're on her?
1: I, re- I met her at the uh, naval base. It was her first time there and my first time there in Alameda. Ooh, uh, this, but- this
0: was the sev- early 70s?
1: Yes, it was 74. Mm. A buddy of mine was going with her cousin, mm-hmm. and he told me that some girl's going to be at the club tonight. I want you to come with me. And I went with him, and that's how I met her. Mm. Yeah. We've been together 46 years off and on. And... When did you guys get married? We got married. Oh man, yes, yeah, a hell of a question. I think we got married in the eighties, but we got divorced in the eighties too. So we're not married now. I just call her my wife.
0: So, <laughs> yeah. So you guys got married, then got divorced. Yeah, but we got di- together.
1: No, uh, I went to treatment. She mm. she divorced me behind the drugs. Oh, Okay. Yeah. So she stayed a distance until I got help, and then she supported
0: me. And you know, by this time, did you already have children with her? Oh yeah, I had two kids with her. Mm. Yeah. Was your wife, was she in the military? That's why she was No, on the she wasn't
1: in the military. She a country girl from Louisiana.
0: Yeah. What brought her to California?
1: Um, her mom moved here, you know, for a better way of life. You
0: know. So she was one of those girls who were just hanging out on the base? Yeah. She trying to get with like the military guys and Yeah, shit. yeah.
1: She was in college when,
0: she, when I met her. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you guys were married and then you were having problems with the drug addiction right. and she- Put you out. She cut my ass loose. <laughs> and then what... Uh, oh, I what, shouldn't
1: cuss on here, huh? Yeah, you can cuss. Okay, all right.
0: <laughs> so when, you, uh, when, she, when that happened,
1: mm-hmm.
0: did she put you out saying, oh, you have an ultimatum, you need to go to treatment, or we're done? No, or did you no. just no. She just had enough.
1: Herself? She just had enough. I'll tell you a quick little story right quick. What happened was I came home from maybe a two or three-day dope run, And usually I can tell her uh, some kind of story and she'll feed me and feel sorry for me. This particular time, she wouldn't even let me in. Mm -hmm. She gave me my plate of food through the window and then closed the window. Mm -hmm. I sat on the front porch eating my food and looking at the window. My two kids are in the window looking at me. Mm -hmm. It broke my heart. I knew I had to get some help. That was the start of my recovery
0: Mm -hmm. right there. What year Mm -hmm. was that?
1: Ooh, we you good on these years, huh? Uh, <laughs> I think that was
0: nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight, yeah. And then you realize, okay, I need to go to, I right. need to go to rehab.
1: Now it took me a little while before I can get some clean time consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I would get a year or two years, and I would relapse. Mm-hmm. You know, but the relapse was always short. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I got five years clean. I was working at BWR mm. and um I relapsed and I went into treatment mm. still at BWR mm. you know and um now I got over 25 years right what, 25. Uh,
0: what were what was making you relapse do do that? well
1: cuz um, uh, <clears throat> you know in, in addiction um or in recovery they they had this thing about you want to do go out and do some more investigation you know mm. so you didn't think you know You know, sometimes that that your head, your brain will tell you, oh man, well, you know, you know how to use this shit. Nah, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, just go out and smoke one rock or something, you know, or either some stress in my life and I wasn't going to the meetings and and staying around decent folks that I needed to be around, ended up in some bad places, Mm -hmm. you know, and next thing you know, you have a couple of beers and you're smoking crack. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's how I went. Just that easy. Yeah. And it usually, um, uh, you know, was a woman involved.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Do you think you have poor choice and uh, well decision making when it comes to women?
1: Well, uh, well, I got a good one now, but mm-hmm. and had it for a long time. But no, um, when you out there doing drugs and stuff, everybody out there that you run into is a bad choice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. You know, because, I mean, they're the kind of people you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Now, if they weren't under that hammer of addiction, they probably were pretty decent people.
2: Mm-hmm. You, know?
0: you know, so you uh, you're 25 years sober. Mm-hmm. Now, what uh, <clears throat> you say you're, you've you been with uh, your wife for 40 plus years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some struggles do you think? Or not even. Let me ask a different question. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, people, marriage is not really important to people nowadays. Like a lot of people, especially in the Bay Area, there's more single peoples than marriage. And then a lot of people, if you ask a lot of young people, they don't even consider marriage like a real thing. They think Mm -hmm. it's like ownership. So they try to stay away from marriage. A lot of women say they don't want marriage nowadays. A lot of women say they don't want kids nowadays. How do you feel about uh, the young perspective now?
1: Well, I I really haven't tapped into it, but um, I could say that um, people have changed. Mm -hmm. You know, times are really different. You have so many other things you can do than you had, say, when I was coming up. You know, this this technology stuff is killing us. Mm. And basically that's what's killing um the moral uh fiber that we had as grown up uh, coming up as kids, you know, it's killing that. Mm. So you're not looking at marriage or getting a good job or you know, it's like fast paced, you know, let me get in here and get this and get on, you know. Yeah. You know, and, and then the other thing is to me. Uh, I'm probably get cussed at for this one. Marijuana, mm. this marijuana, and and some of the other drugs they got. This shit is horrible. Now, <laughs> now It's only
0: if well, marijuana now is different from the marijuana. It's back then. straight it, different. It's, it's like scientific now. It helps you. It, this sh- it helps you. Yeah, you got back pain. It helps you. You if you fucking can't sleep, it helps you. Yeah, so it's more—it's more of a medicine now than back then. It's just like the fucking uh huh, uh huh. But I, I mean, I don't smoke. But yeah, know. I didn't think you did. Your
1: eyes <laughs> too clear. But um, look, it might start out to be a medicine, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about when you abuse it, mm-hmm. and it's easily happening. If you could, you can just ride down the street in the daytime and see people look like they in a stupor or something like they zombies. Mm. This shit is so potent and they smoking so much of it, Mm. it's consuming them. Mm. And it's very dangerous. And I'm not talking about all the youngsters, but it's a good percentage of them. And I'm afraid that it's going to just mess them up. But then on the other hand, I look at some of these young educated, we got more educated people today than we ever have had in our race. Mm. They own the ball. Mm. You know, so I see a side that gives me hope for the future, you know. But when I look at them weed heads, <laughs> they smoke it too much because they're abusing it. Anything you abuse is going to cause you some problems.
0: Yeah. I mean, weed is the, the least of your of your mm-hmm. words when you, when you talk about today's drugs. So like today, if you listen to music, it's today's society with young, younger youngins is that. Taking drugs is cool now. It's like the cool thing. To it was
1: do. cool when I was a youngster.
0: But back then, it was more secretive. Like you're in a club, like you want to see people doing cocaine. Right, it's legal now. In the middle of the dan- uh, right. dance floor, you'll go hide in the bathroom right, and do right, it and right. keep it silent. You right. weren't want everyone to know. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's like cool to be out in a party and then and you just pull it out on the dance floor. And then people popping pills and shit. Well, a lot of it to me is scissor. coming from
1: rap music.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, the rap music is horrible for our race. You ask me. How do you? How do you feel about the generation uh, making it cool to do drugs now? And then your generation, even though drugs was still there, but drugs was more well, like first it wasn't of all cool to be doing.
1: First it like- of all, drugs have always been cool to do if you run in those circles. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you always had those out there. Don't do that, boy. That mess you up. You know, mm-hmm. but today with it being legal, it's like going to the liquor store. Mm-hmm. It's one on every corner. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, liquor was the thing. Mm-hmm. Weed has took that place. So they, and, and I'm going to tell you, liquor has been a problem in society since the day it was invented.
0: Oh yeah.
1: So liquor, liquor weed is taking its place.
0: Liquor at businesses. That's too much money. They ain't going nowhere.
1: No, it's not. It's not, mm. you know, it's not. You know, have to some drastically have to have, you know, liquor and cigarettes. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, weed is is is, it's really hard to say because everybody don't abuse it. But I'm just speaking about the ones that abuse it. I'm a, like I told you, I was an Uber driver, mm-hmm. seventeen thousand trips. I'd had mm-hmm. so many kids in my car smelling with that shit, mm-hmm. going to work in the morning, going to work. I'm like, how you going to work like that? <laughs> it's legal, <laughs> but they blasted out their mind. Mm-hmm. You know. And so it kind of worries me, um, in some, uh, perspective, you know, it, it, it I just think it's going to be a big problem. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, that's the difference to me from when I was going up. we didn't have weed that consumed you like that. Mm. You know, all we do is if it was sex and to eat, we have munchies and shit and to laugh. Mm. You said now, even yourself, it's yeah. medicine and, you
0: know. Oh, yeah. I, they they the one, use it for different reasons now.
1: They said they got weed to help you with your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, what the hell?
0: And uh, more, I mean, more old people are, 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 are smoking. More old for pain white people. and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. But say. see,
1: those are the people that's probably not abusing it. Mm-hmm. Remember now, I'm talking about the abuser. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a big difference, you know, because it does have some good quality uh, uh, to it. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's people out there who need it, you know, Mm -hmm. medicine and stuff like that. But that abuser and you see our youth of today. I got a buddy that's got a son that spends fifteen hundred dollars a month smoking weed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he's not the only one, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's what I'm talking.
0: So you say you have grandchildren, right?
1: Yeah, I got grandkids and great-grandkids. I got three great-grandkids now.
0: So you, uh, when you look at your kids Mm -hmm. raising their kids, do you ever have a problem with the way your children are raising uh, their kids?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I do. You know, and that's going to happen. You know, you just try to fit in where you can get in, you know, Mm. you can't tell them how to raise their kids exactly. Mm. You know, I made a lot of mistakes, but I tell them that listen to me because I've already did it, made the mistakes for you. Mm. So here's what you don't do, Mm. you know, and uh, and I I just try to be in my kids, my grandkids and my great, I try to be in their life Mm. with a positive image, you know, Mm -hmm. you know. How many kids do you have? I have three kids, seven grandkids, three great grandkids, seven,
0: wait, wait, yeah, seven, seven grandkids. grandkids kids, yeah. And three grand, great, great grandkids. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I started kind of early. So, <laughs> <laughs> the
0: three kids, three of your kids, how, mm-hmm. tell them uh, which ones has kids and like the, okay, the numbers. My
1: oldest daughter. She lives in Chicago mm-hmm. or DeKalb, Illinois. She's 47 years old. She has three kids, two boys and a girl. Mm. My second daughter lives with me. She's 45 Mm. trying to put her out. Um, (laughs) she has one daughter who has a, uh, my grand great grandson.
0: Then I have a son who has three kids. He's 39 years old. Yeah. And, and which one of them had there, which one of them's kids have kids?
1: Oh, um, my um my oldest daughter, her two sons have um my two grand uh, granddaughter, great granddaughter, and great grandson. Mm. Then my second daughter, her daughter Ajane has a little boy. That's my other mm. great grandson. Yeah, I see them a lot, but I don't see the other ones. They live in Chicago that much.
0: You know? Did you ever your kids when they brought uh the the other half to the kids? Did you ever say like, oh, I don't like that person?
1: Hell yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of guys I didn't like and, yeah. you know, and then there's a couple I did and they didn't work out, you mm. know? Yeah. Yeah, my, um, my granddaughter is, is with a Mexican guy. I wasn't too... My son got kids by a Mexican lady. I Mm. wasn't kind of keen on that at first. Mm. Not that I didn't like Mexicans. Mm. I just preferred them to be with black people. Yeah. But I love them all the same.
0: Why do you think they uh, went in that lane? Because
1: we never raised them to be stuck on one thing, you know? Mm. You know, the the world is yours, you know? I Mm. mean... You can't tell. I've always believed you can't tell your heart who to fall in love with.
0: Yeah, you know. I mean, but you can, you can position yourself to fall in love with something that.
1: Well, maybe, but even if your heart don't love them, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you, know you know, you know, it's it's just a strange thing, you know. So mm-hmm. as long, I look at it like this: as long as they're happy.
0: Yeah. If Are they the- still to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, well, my son and his wife is not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, but my granddaughter and her, uh, they're getting ready to get married soon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So
0: how has the retirement been for you?
1: Um, it, was, it was pretty good for a while because I was driving Uber and I still felt useful and it just entertained the shit out of me. It mm-hmm. was fun. I made a lot of money. But since the pandemic, things have slowed down. My wife's driving me crazy. I'm driving her crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, uh, you appreciate things more now, mm-hmm. you know, because you, you can't do nothing. You gotta wear the damn mass and all that, you know. Mm. So you know, it's it's a retirement is different. But I tell you this, I do not miss work. Yeah, you know, I, I could have retired when I was thirty if they would have let me. <laughs> you yeah.
0: know, you know. I mean, shit. Some people, some people can't retire. So the fact that you were able to retire, yeah. Because some people are old as fuck now, still working because they. Right? They didn't, made they some bad
2: decisions,
1: mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, I never had a job I liked. Yeah. You know, the only job I would have liked if I, if I would have got it was a baseball player. Mm-hmm. I love baseball. And I'm sad about Hank Aaron. Willie Mays was my idol mm-hmm. and he's holding on, you know, I'm getting up there in age to where we didn't lost probably like four of them this year. Lou Brock, mm-hmm. Hank Aaron, uh, uh, Bob Gibson. And somebody else, I forgot who it was.
0: They said Hank Aaron took the COVID vaccine and then the week died later, a week later. Week died a week later. So I don't everyone, think everyone's saying is because of that.
1: Well, um, I, I was scheduled to take the COVID shot uh, the other day, and I went to go get it, and they ran out of stuff. And everybody on my Facebook page or some of my friends are saying that's good. You don't need to take it. Mm-hmm. I do not believe that the government is trying to kill me.
0: So you're not one of those uh, because you know how black people are, right? With the with the shots, we have every
1: right to be. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: With the with the syphilis stuff back in the day, Mm -hmm. that was horrible, and they did it to us, and they probably did so much other shit to us. But I believe that this thing is something totally different. Uh, You know.
0: So you're going to take it.
1: I'm going to take it as soon as they call my name.
0: (laughs) I'm going to get in line
1: and take it because I look at it this way, you know. Has God bought me through all of these, you just heard my story, part of it, all of this shit to kill me with a vaccine? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think so. And this is my higher power I'm talking about. Yeah. Some people call him God, Jehovah, Allah, whatever, you uh-huh. know, you know, I don't believe that he going to bring me to this point to let some vaccine kill me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't believe that. And if he does, it was my turn, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know. I've lived a life, you know, Mm. but uh, I can understand people being paranoid, but I'm going to take it. Yeah. I'm going to take it.
0: So are you, uh, well, I asked you a question. I want to ask you a question Mm. about, uh, what happened recently with the Capitol. How do you feel about, uh, how do you feel about that? I was not surprised at all. Mm. I was not surprised,
1: um, with the anger that I saw in the people's faces. They were out of their damn minds. Mm. I truly believe that it was attempted coup that Trump and all them was involved in it and they were going to try to take over the government and have their own thing. Mm -hmm. And he used all those 70 million people who voted for him, all those radical ass groups. He spurred them along and they didn't need too much because once again, I believe that, the reason why they were so angry and they fight so hard is they're afraid that if it becomes e- equal, we're gonna kill them. I really believe that. So they are trying every bit, because see, they're conscious. What they have did to the people in the United States all these years, they are so afraid that the people are gonna come get their ass. And <laughs> yeah, when
0: you say people, you're talking people of color? Yes. Mm-hmm. People of color. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly, so when I looked at it, I mean, I, I did a podcast on this uh specific subject uh like last mm-hmm. week, and the way I look at it is what I saw was i mean even though they were all white people, what I saw was a bunch of people who a hundred percent believed in something, uh, people who were willing to die for what they believed in, even though what they believed in was false and stupid, right All those people, if you look in their eyes. 100% believed that, okay, they, this election was stolen and we're here to die for what we believe in. Now, if, if black people, let's say if black people, that that this that, what happened at the Capitol can never be black people, right? Because, first of all, we wouldn't even get that close to the Capitol. Second of all, you would never get that many black people willing to die for the cause you have a bunch of people who will be like oh who will talk about it and be like oh you know what yeah i'm I'm here i'm here for the cause i'm going to march but as soon as the gas comes they're going to run as soon as shooting starts coming they're going to run as soon as people start getting arrested they'll be like okay now i got to go to work tomorrow so those white people ran into that capital ready to die for what they believe in and that's why it was so powerful and strong okay how do you what do you okay,
1: think? I disagree with you mm-hmm. first of all, they wasn't ready to die
0: mm-hmm. oh, the, the, thing, died. the bitch died and got shot trying Well, to climb she got shot
1: climbing through the window, but they didn't expect the only one of them died
0: yeah
1: now, the reason why black people wouldn't have did it because we know a bunch of us would have died mm-hmm. the white people thought that and they did they had inside info on the the, the the National Guard wouldn't even show up, mm-hmm. so they knew wasn't gonna be nobody there to stop them. Mm-hmm. So they run up in there, you, you know. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the people came and was beating them up and started trying to take control, they got their ass up out
0: of there. They was beating up the cops.
1: They because they outnumbered them. They outnumbered them.
0: But when have you ever seen a group of black people? And we have all the right to beat up the cops. We would have did it too,
1: but we would never get to that phase because we, we're not going to outnumber them. They're going to have horses and cannons, and mm. they dropped the a bomb in Philly on us. <laughs> 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 look, it's a whole two different things. Mm. They went in there knowing that they had inside help. And see, look, what do you, why do you think they were standing on Facebook and showing their faces and everything? We took over the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Now they're crying. Oh, we follow our president. Mm-hmm. The reason why they did it, because they thought nothing was going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. They said, we're going to go in here and overtake the government. We're not going to be charged with nothing. It did not work. <laughs> it did not work.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't okay. think. I, I, I think they knew that something was going to happen. They just didn't give a fuck about <laughs> look, the consequences. I see. See. You think these around. people ran in there a guy uh, a guy with a fucking stick beating up a cop. You don't think he was going uh, to
1: You don't think
0: you don't think he's doing something wrong. He knows Yeah, oh yeah. But they thought that they were, their
1: plan was this is this was plan. Mm. They knew that they had inside. Trump sent them down there. Mm. They knew they had inside help where they was going to take over. <laughs> and nothing's going to happen. We're going to be successful. So yeah. we ain't got a word about, I'm telling you, man, yeah. the, if we as black people knew we had some inside help, we would have run up in there and killed all of them.
0: Mm.
1: I'm telling you, uh. it, that's the difference.
0: Yeah. That uh, is- but I still think the only time, the only time in history where black people were all united in one common goal was the civil rights movement. That was the only time in history. We had a think. lot better
1: unity then. Mm. And the white folks thought that we had an underground railroad because I was 13 years old when the riots took place, Detroit, Chicago, L.A., Mm -hmm. Cleveland, all across the country, almost at the same time. Mm -hmm. The white folks thought we had somebody tell, okay, y'all started, y'all started, y'all. We were fed up in all places. So it just spontaneously went. Mm -hmm. right. Now, we don't have that kind of unity.
0: Yeah. Because try to, tr- let's say, for example, try to do a bus boycott like they did in the 60s. Try to do that shit now. That shit won't work. No, it might not. Then again, it might. Look
1: what we just pulled off. See, you're not looking at some of the positives. Mm-hmm. Georgia is the heart of slavery, racism. We flipped Georgia. Black people organized, got out and vote. That's who flipped Georgia. Mm-hmm. So we can do it, bro.
0: But the only reason we flipped Georgia is because of whatever the uh, reason was. It uh, was the
1: same cause,
0: mm-hmm. one cause. Mm-hmm.
1: Whatever the reason was, it was just just to go get a bag of weed. Whatever it was, we flipped it. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's all you look at. Yeah. So what we failed in right now today is organization. Mm-hmm. Sister Abrams organized Georgia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Her and that other sister, I forgot her name. They organized. They've been doing it for since she lost the governorship. Mm-hmm. They got him and they flipped. And do you know how fantastic? That's why Trump and them is so mad. There's no way you flip Georgia. Mm-hmm. So all he had to do was say, they cheated. The niggas did it. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know? I mean, well, Georgia, the fact that this is the f- first time. Ever a black uh, senator came out of Georgia, where Georgia's like probably, so that tells like you right seventy percent black, and Atlanta and a Jewish guy, and Atlanta <laughs> is is damn near eighty percent black. Right, yeah. Atlanta, I think, has a black person in every branch of government. Right, and uh, the fact that it took this long—that's kind of no to
1: organization. Me. We finally got somebody who was willing to put the work in to organize us. See, that's see, that's why the white folks kill off every time we get a leader. Bam! Kill that nigga! Kill him! Kill him! Yeah, we can't organize. Yeah, I told you I was here when the Black Panthers was here. Mm-hmm. Huey P. Newton. And them, they had that shit down. Do you know that the FBI shot and killed almost simultaneously together? All the Black Panthers' location across the country at the same time. They raided them and just started shooting. Mm-hmm. That's how bad they want to get rid of them,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. they were starting a movement that they knew was going to be. It was all about equality, yeah. you know. So they killed all of our leaders, you know,
0: every chance they get. With, I mean, the FBI killed our leaders with the help of black people. That's what's wrong <laughs> with the shit now. Man,
1: that's not look. Just because you black don't mean you ain't going to sell out for that dollar. Yeah. You can go, look, look at the Indians. Mm. Look what they did to the Indians. The Indians have probably been mistreated worse than the blacks. They uh, genocide. They almost killed them off. And the ones that didn't kill, they're alcoholics. They, they gave smallpox to them. You know? <laughs> this is how bad it is. Well, yeah. But the Indians had people working with the white folks. Mm-hmm. Scouts. Oh, you know? It's called survival. Yeah, you gonna always have that. Mm-hmm. You know, you are gonna all of us ain't righteous.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. You know, I'm still I'm still mad about that whole Black Panther shit. Because me I'm, too. The fact we that, need them. The fact that the FBI to this day still uh, hasn't paid for all the illegal shit that they used to do back then. is <laughs> crazy.
1: And and haven't did nothing about the white supremacist groups, you know, who are more violent than the Panthers are. You know what the Panthers did? The Panthers said, "We don't want you, They started right here, man. Yeah, we don't want you coming in our neighborhood, beating us across the head like, like they killed Lloyd and all the you know mm. all the brothers and sisters, Brianna Taylor, all them. Mm. We are tired of that. So we're gonna police our own area when your ass bring up yourself up. That's what the Black Panther. They was feeding kids. They was getting kids to school. Mm. Neighborhood shit. They wasn't going out talking about we're gonna tear down the power structure or nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And the FBI felt them a threat because that shit was moving like wildfire. Do you know? We as a 13-year-old in Chicago, I was walking around singing Piggy Wiggy, oh oh, you gotta go now. Bang bang, dead pig. We had songs, we had Unity, Black Power. They had mm-hmm. to kill that shit, man. Mm-hmm. But don't never say black people will not do it. Mm-hmm. It might not look, well look, we're getting to the point to where you just seen what happened during the pandemic. Every single day there was somebody protesting in every city. Yeah. The kids are coming together of color. That has never happened before. Mm. You know why the civil rights movement moved real fast at the end? The hippies got in. It.
0: They c- yeah. Well, I mean, what, yeah, white people can, yeah, they got it. That's what every movement white it does, That's doesn't what change you till mean, white people because if
1: they kill them, it looks real bad, <laughs> you know.
0: It looks real bad. You go to black, black uh, Black Lives Matter marches, there's more white people, than I know, there are black people, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, it amazes me. I go to San Francisco or somewhere way up on Russian Hill and I see a Black Lives Matter thing on the building. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the heck, how do black people live over there, yeah, you know. But, you know, but that's what it's going to take, you know, because what's happening is it's called the changing of the guard. People know morally what's going to happen in America is not right. And it's being exposed Mm -hmm. at a high level. The rest of the world is looking at us. Yeah. Donald Trump had to be here for a reason. Mm He's going to bring this. It it, it might bring him down. It's going to take a little while. Mm -hmm. But it's going to happen. Equality is coming, bro. Mm -hmm. I've been here 65 years, man. I ain't never seen nothing like this. This (laughs) shit is moving. Uh, It's moving. Do you think he was the worst president ever? Hell yeah, by far. Mm -hmm. But he had to happen. In order for you to know what needs to be changed, you have to see it. We saw it. Everybody saw it. Racism. Racism.
0: I mean, well, if, if 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 it took you to s- Donald Trump to be president to, for you to realize that hey, these white people are racist, then you were living under a rock. No,
1: no, not to realize that about they was white. racist. To realize what degree it was,
0: uh, you should have been known the degree. No, just you- fucking look at history. You don't need Donald Trump's presidency to know that. Uh, cops are killing black people unarmed with no for no reason. Uh, there's racist senators and republic uh, and Democrats and shit in, in office. There's fucking uh, white supremacists everywhere. I mean, it didn't, doesn't take Donald Trump to be a fucking no, president. No, but tonight. he brought
1: it to the light. See, the media, once you get it to be president, mm-hmm. the light that they shine on you, the media exposes everything. America was very good at hiding their racism. And you know that, mm-hmm. you know, they stab you in the back, let you get the job and shit. Oh, that's a good nigga there, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know. you know. But he was under such a severe spotlight, the world got a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. And that's what is, everybody's, is very uncomfortable. That's what we needed him for, mm-hmm. to see it. To that degree, let everybody know, this is what we have to defeat right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no more... They tell you, can't you forget about it? Mm. That don't happen anymore. We saw it. Live and in color on TV every day. <laughs> you know? So, you know, that's, that's the gist of it. I mean, you know.
0: So when you were growing up, uh, you grew up in a time where there was like real, actual, powerful leaders of color. You, there's Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. Uh Huey pugh Newton. Um, um um what's the other guy in the Black Panthers? Um damn, the other the other Bobby
1: the, Seals. Bobby Eldridge Seals Cleaver.
0: Eldridge Cleaver.
1: Yeah, these Angela are, Davis, you name
0: them. Yeah, Angela yeah. Davis. These we are had some leaders. These are some real like influential, respectable Action. Action. people who actually say it and then go out there and do it. Yes. And then you look at the people today and the kids growing up today, there's no one that even compares that to the leaders from when you were growing up. Do you yes, think it th- is. Yeah. Yes, it is. To me. To you? Like to who? me,
1: LeBron James. No, no, no. Fuck, no, What? Yep. Le- no. I like LeBron, LeBron James. LeBron
0: James. You're comparing LeBron James to like, Huey P Newton. No, you, no, like no,
1: Yeah, no, but what no. I'm saying
0: is, what I'm saying is, the leaders that you had growing up, to people that you look up to, black men especially, and then you look at, the people that kids are growing up to now in today's world, there's no one that compares, you know what I'm saying? That compares well, to your time. It's and- a
1: different times. You can't compare times. It's just like you saying um Ali would have beat Mike Tyson or something. You, you just mm-hmm. can't compare that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different era. You know? Now when Huey P. Newton and all them guys was was together, they were starting a movement, mm-hmm. right? It was really different. Nobody was aware of what they were doing. And then when they found out, they said, we got to kill them, niggas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they killed them. Nowadays, you have to take a different approach, Mm -hmm. you know, because of the firepower that they have. Mm -hmm. So people like LeBron James, Kaepernick, um, those are our leaders today. That little sister that got up and read that poem at the inauguration. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. We see we have to look for inspiration and you know, and we have to be educated. You know, it's a different tactic. Mm-hmm. Back then, we was trying to meet force with force. <laughs> you know, you know, it didn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. It didn't work. King tried to do it peacefully. Mm-hmm. Didn't
0: work. Yeah. You know? Well, I think I think uh that's what's wrong with uh mm-hmm. is black people are too forgiving. We're black people are the only people who are expected, oh. We're gonna. This cop is gonna pull your your twelve year old son over, and shoot him unarmed, kill him. But the parents are expected to forgive the cop to to we, hold we that to man. hold press conferences and say, "Oh, we don't want you guys out there rioting. We need to be peaceful." I think Black people are too forgiving, and, and we need to well, we need to be more of. Well,
1: it. we might be, but I, I, okay,
0: look. Because praying, understand? praying is praying is not working. Look, walking down the street with your pastor, that shit ain't working. Well, saying that, oh, we're going to forgive, we're Christians. It does that work shit ain't to a working. certain
1: degree, you just need more to go with it. That's all it is. To I think problem.
0: we need to meet violence with the violence.
1: Well, we at some point, look, it's it, in order for us to reach equality. I am, I am, I'm a big believer that it's going to take some violence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's going, But it's gonna have to be organized. We just can't run out there like the damn Indians. Mm-hmm. They're gonna kill us. And then what's that gonna do? Mm-hmm. You know? You have to be sneaky and do all kind of look, yeah. look. Okay, let me give you one perfect example that I like. They dropped the nuclear bomb on Japan. Mm-hmm. Do you think them damn Japan, they they act like, oh, we love Americans. Come on over here. They ain't forgot that shit. They plotting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they
1: fucking plotting, man. Yeah. You know, that's what we doing. We ain't, they killed a brother down the street. We ain't forgot that shit. Oh, we going to pray for y'all. We plotting. Mm-hmm. One day we going to have our say. Mm-hmm. And then you motherfuckers better look out. Right now we ain't ready. Mm-hmm. So in order to survive, oh, we going to pray for him. We forgive y'all. You know, yeah. We ain't got here this long, man, like this, being dumb. <laughs> we the biggest survivors on earth. They done threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. Yeah. We survived it. Mm-hmm. These motherfuckers steady trying to come up with shit. We got to get them niggas, you know. Mm-hmm. They getting too strong. Mm-hmm. We survived it. One of these times, we're going to be even had enough. hmm and that's, look out, here it comes.
0: we looking for. I mean, but what, what, is it, what does it take for people to say, we, we need a leader? Enough? We done went through everything. We need a leader. There's video, we done seen video. I thought George Floyd was like the, 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 the calling point where we had enough, because it's so simple. Like, this guy is just standing here and, and neon is not going to be
1: done legally. Yeah. It's not going to be, it's going to take some violence. Mm-hmm. But see, what the biggest thing, what we have to stop doing. It's shooting down brothers like LeBron and Kaepernick, and we gotta stop that. Mm-hmm. We gotta say, yeah, do your part. I like what you're doing. I'm behind you, mm-hmm. you know. Until we can get one day, one day, LeBron's image, Kaepernick, some little brother is watching that. He gonna become our leader and lead us to this motherfucking victory. Mm-hmm. That's what you gotta believe. Mm-hmm. See, if you don't believe it, ain't gonna never happen. Mm-hmm. It could be your son. Yeah, I know. You know, he just looking at these little small images. LeBron doing a little bit over here. Somebody doing a little bit over here. You know, mm. getting positive feedback. Mm. Shaka Zulu, here he comes. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you know, that's what it's gonna take, man. Yeah, we ain't I mean, got nobody.
0: I I, I understand that. <laughs> I understand <laughs> that Martin Luther King was very important but i think malcolm x was equally as important who said they wasn't i mean a lot of people think that malcolm x's way of thinking when he first started was wrong and and that's why he thought that's why that's why uh yeah he thought it was wrong after he took a pilgrimage and saw all this shit and he
1: seen what elijah was doing fucking all them little young girls
0: yeah but besides all that right his his mentality saying oh
1: I I need a different approach. That's all he I, did. I
0: thought that what he was taught, what he was preaching was the way to go. You know, Martin Luther King wasn't always nonviolent. He, 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 Martin Luther King, was, he wanted to meet violence with violence, but they talked him out of it and, and <laughs> it steered him to become it nonviolent. Worked. It would They
1: would have got a bunch of niggas killed. That's yeah. all would happen. And a lot of people would have been locked up and we'd have been in worse disarray than we are. You have to wait to your turn. We are underdogs in this. Mm. We we are from another country. Mm. Basically, they don't even want us. Because, look, I told her I had an African in my car. Mm. And he was an Uber driver, too. He said, why do black Americans not like
0: Africans? I said, I'm going to give you my perspective. I don't even think that's true. Africans don't like Black Americans. That's, that's the other way around. And Black Americans
1: don't like Africans. That's a motherfucking African man. <laughs> they mm-hmm. say it all the time. Look, I'm gonna tell you. When I was a kid, the history that we had about Africa was Tarzan. You ever heard of Tarzan? Yeah. The Africans that he was in control of was savages. They portrayed him as ignorant, dumb, stupid, wearing an apron, throwing a spear. Mm-hmm. American blacks didn't want to have nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. So we always looked at him like, oh, <laughs> you know. yeah. This is how the white man did us. He taught us to hate each other. Mm. So the African feels that. When he come over here, brothers be like, oh, yeah, man, we you know, that motherfucker's African, man. Mm. They feel it. So they stay, they distance. So now we got both of us not liking each other.
0: Yeah. You know.
1: I know yeah. this thing is over. Huh? <laughs> it's been <laughs> over, huh? Yeah, so. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, it's, how you going to do it? explain what? well this is the last question yeah. you went through a lot of shit in your life and everything are you satisfied with your life and what do you feel your life is going now that you uh, let's say the, the 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 first 30 years of your life was one way you went through a whole lot of shit turned in, you into the man you are now and let's talk about the next 30 years, are you satisfied with that?
1: Well, well to be honest with you, I'm, uh, you, I'm never satisfied. Um, if I had to do it all over again, I would have kept my ass in school. Mm-hmm. That to me is the best thing for a young black man or woman in America. Mm-hmm. You have to get the education. And mm-hmm. I know all of us can't do it, but just try if you can. But, and, and so I wish that if I had to change anything, I would stay in school and get my education. The person I am today I always feel there's room for improvement, you know? I, I know that um, morally and um, and stuff, I'm, I'm pretty much in, in, in good shape with that. My spirit is great and stuff, but I can always improve, you know? Mm. I can always improve. The next 30, I, I might not I'm little be 30 years. I might make it another 20 years. I'm 65, I figure, oh, about 85, 90, right? Mm. Um, if I lived the, that far, I believe I will see a change in America. I might live long enough to see somewhat, some form of equality. That's what I'm looking
0: for. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Don, uh, I mean, I know you're not really active on social media, so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even... uh, Well, what about your your Facebook? Do you want to tell the people where they can find you on Facebook? they want to reach out? Because, you know... This is the number one podcast in know, and I saw a lot of people got to listen to this.
1: No, just uh, uh, first I got to see it because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, they can see me on, uh, yeah, tell them where to see me on Instagram.
0: Instagram? Yeah. Which, I mean, but uh, you don't even know your Instagram yeah, it's, name. it's
1: Donald Woods 91.
0: See, that's that old shit. They're not really.
1: Yeah, we ain't plugged into the stuff like that. Oh, man, I don't even know how to find it. But anyway, I know it's Donald, Donald Woods um, 9136.
0: Yeah, that's it. Okay, well, yeah. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Donald Woods Sr., I believe. Yeah. And uh, once again, thanks for joining me on Everyday Celebrity Podcast. This is your host, Jordan Awandi, and we are out. All right. You. That was
2: pretty good.